0: I think if we read the near-miss reports and take a look at the NIOSH reports, you'll notice that it's, it's not uncommon to have an injury or a fatality that involves directly someone who is new to the fire service or someone who is new to their position. Los Angeles, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Now, here's Scott.
1: That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me today for another edition of Code 3. This is the show that gives you all the information on a firefighting topic you need in about 20 minutes. Let's get started. If you've been listening to this show for a while, first, thanks. Secondly, you've probably noticed that I talk a lot about realistic training. It's because I know there are fewer actual structure fires these days for newer firefighters to see firsthand. That means they need to learn both skills and understanding of why in training and they need to absorb the concepts well enough that it doesn't take thought to do them, they become automatic. So you do it over and over, because it may take a couple of dozen reps, maybe more, to build the muscle memory. A firefighter who is struggling with a ladder is not paying attention to the conditions around him or her. My guest today is an expert on training and the difference between performance and understanding. Fred Kauser is the chief of the Mifflin Township, Ohio, Division of Fire. He runs a career department with 100 members. Mifflin Fire responds to about 11,000 incidents a year. He has a Ph.D. and teaches various topics related to firefighting. And Fred Kouser joins me now. Welcome to Code Three.
0: Thank you, Scott. I'm excited to be here.
1: It's great to have you. So let's start with the difference between training and education. What is that difference?
0: Sure, that's a it's a great question. It's been an ongoing debate, and and I think it's sort of contextual. You know, in the fire service, we have tended to relate to training as short-term activities. Uh, generally in the lab on the apparatus floor and um, hands-on for the most part. And we, we've kind of looked at it as a way to develop skills. And historically, we've looked at education very broadly, mostly associated with higher education, which is classroom learning, more cognitive processing, thinking you know, trying to reach some kind of an understanding about things we might not be able to you know gain exclusively through some exercise in the lab environment. Now in the, the elements of what those generally mean to us in the fire service uh, are usually present in both exercises. There's always a little bit of classroom and some book knowledge and things that often go with training and, and, and many times we see, in the classroom environment uh, where there are exercises and kind of practical application to simulate real world experiences. But, but broadly at a high level, that's about what they mean to us here in the fire service.
1: Now, given that today's younger generation wants, you know, the whys of what they're doing. Is education more important than training or more important than it used to be?
0: Scott, that's also a great question. Really two parts. One is the the current generation, as we understand them, learns differently and for different reasons. And you're spot on that they they do need to have uh, a better understanding of the why before they are willing to invest any resources in that learning activity. And uh, ironically, you know, previous generations have had that same experience, but they were more willing to go along and uh, just accept the direction they were given, knowing that at some point they would come to a full understanding. And uh, you know, the present generation, you know, goes about that a, a little differently, as you as you described. Um, we think that you know how they are learning and kind of their preferences. Uh, is going to make a difference in kind of the academy experience, and um, but and and I think that's going to be more mediated about, or more mediated with a blended approach, and having a full appreciation of both the uh, the activities that come with training, uh, and the education that uh, and the understanding that that supports it.
1: All right, let's change gears here a little bit and look at the reality. How likely are skills to be lost if they aren't practiced frequently? I mean, once they're taught, that's one thing, but keeping them current is all another ballgame.
0: Yeah, very likely. With any skill or really knowledge, we're challenged with not only a need to exercise it, but also the need to improve upon it and uh, to advance it. And as I've spent Almost 40 years in the American Fire Services, the cyclical discussions over fireground operations and all of the elements of fireground operations over time, you know, reflect our shifting understanding about how those things work. And with improvements in protective clothing and nozzles and uh, performance methods and how to deploy hose lines and perform the work of firefighting, we are challenged with the need to keep active and keep those skills sharp and fresh. And uh, of course, while also being able to accommodate new lessons, you know, in better ways of of doing our work uh, over that same period of time. What we know about Really, any technical skill, whether it's fire, EMS, decision-making, command and control, uh, they are, in fact, perishable. And uh, we get rusty, um, and they become a challenge for us to perform as effectively over time if we're not exercising them. And uh, there's lots of reasons, of course, why uh, we might not be able to get in a lot of reps or why we're not getting in reps. But to, to your point, we, uh, you know, if we're going to be good at this job, which means effective and safe um, and uh, perform well for the citizens, we, we, we've got to find a way to get in as many reps as we can and, and focus on the work that is uh, the most dangerous and the most you know impactful on the fire ground.
1: How much concern do you have for, let's say, younger firefighters who haven't had a lot of experience with, for example, live structure fires? As we all know, they're down as opposed to the older days. So when you go on a run with with the younger members of your teams, do you worry about the fact that maybe they haven't had enough time with ladder throwing or they haven't had enough actual experience? Entering a structure with a hose line.
0: My my concern is significant. I, I think if we read the near miss reports and take a look at the NIOSH reports, just anecdotally, you'll notice that it's it's not uncommon to have a, an injury or a fatality that involves directly someone who is new to the fire service or someone who is new to their position. All of us can be subject matter novices at any time, meaning that I may have a lot of time on the job, but I might not have done the job I need to do today, and uh, it might be new to me. And so I'm concerned about really any firefighter or fire officer who's filling a new role for the first time that doesn't have access to a lot of reps. And those reps come in in really in, in two forms. One is through actual firefighting operations on the fireground. And uh, the second is through authentic training environments that really simulate what's going on in the fire ground. You, you mentioned the reduction in the number of fires and uh, and at the same time, you know, the intensity and kind of, you know, the me- the mechanics and the uh, fire behavior uh, for the fires we are experiencing combined with a lack of experience, you know, for lots of reasons, uh, you know, we've see a lot of people uh, you know retiring and leaving the service on a, on a regular basis every year and and so we're losing generations of seasoning and experience but when you combine those three things the uh, less frequently uh, fires more intense and more dangerous fire conditions the younger newer firefighter that doesn't get a lot of reps that is a concern and that concern is playing out in you know some of the uh, experiences we're having you know, currently in the American Fire Services.
1: All right. So given that, how much emphasis do you place on real estate training as opposed to learning specific skills? For instance, the whole training evolution where you pull up to the burn building and you get off the rig and you drive a line in, as opposed to learning a specific skill like cutting vertical ventilation in a roof.
0: They go hand in hand, and I think that we have it right in our service when we start with fundamentals, which is, you know, breaking uh, a skill down to the smallest number of tasks. And we start with the first task that would be the building block, you know, the building block for developing a skill. And I think that is still the correct design for instructing and training firefighters and developing them. And so my goal there would be to get those primary tasks down so they can be performed. And then as we do on the fire ground, then we string together a series of tasks, which then, you know, make a skill. And I think you're alluding to uh, appropriately that there are spaces between each task where these are Tied together, there are steps and activities and actions and movement that tie a set of tasks together to produce a skill, and that's why you know having skills development um, through firsthand experience in a highly managed, supervised uh, situation, you know, our our youngest members should be given the full attention of the senior members and the officers uh, that they're assigned to. They shouldn't be expected to perform at a high level uh, independently for any reason um, until they're able to demonstrate that they can, you know, perform those tasks sufficiently uh, while having some brain resources and cognitive resources available to, you know, communicate and process what's going on around them. And so your, you know, the idea of having skills days and drills also reinforce the ability to assemble a collection of tasks. And and perform them in a, in an order or even you know randomly uh, by stringing together individual tasks, which are the basis for you know anything that we might call a skill.
1: How well prepared are today's probies coming out of the academy, as opposed to maybe how they were in the past? Has that changed?
0: I believe that we're the pressures of time and you know getting recruits and new firefighters out of the academy into a place where they can start applying some of that training and experience varies pretty broadly across the United States. I think there are some regions that are doing everything that is reasonable in their curriculum. They're producing good candidates that can then be you know, developed when they when they get to the fire station. I think there are other instances where, and again, this is just my experienced opinion, that the academy experience doesn't provide enough time and enough opportunities to sufficiently develop that foundation that can be reinforced in the fire station. And again, there's lots of pressures uh, for that. And um, in terms of getting them through the academy so they can join a company. And uh, again, it, it really varies broadly across the United States. And I think the the solution is to, uh, you know, kind of adopt a perspective that the academy is extended onto and into the job for some period of time. And for some full-time members that could take, you know, a few years of, you know, dedicated time and effort, and, and and exercising, and training, and drilling, and and practicing to get them to a place where they're proficient, safe, comfortable. The American Fire Service has a, a, a you know majority of volunteer members, and it's much harder for a volunteer member to to have the time to dedicate. So they have to find different ways to get in that same count of reps and exercises, and to have the experiences you know, that maybe somebody in an urban environment uh, might have access to.
1: Well, therein lies a whole different problem. For example, if somebody comes out of their regional academy and goes to a volunteer company, they may not have the opportunity to get the training up front with the station crew that they would get with the career department. So when they do go on their first fire, and let's say it's within the first 30 days of, that they start with the volunteer department, they're going to be woefully underprepared. I mean, they're going to be in a situation where they're hyped up, their adrenaline's flowing, but they haven't really had time to work with their, their crew Because they don't see them every day, like the career departments, people see each other all the time. So how can we mitigate that to some degree?
0: You know, there are different levels of fire services being performed across the country based on the capabilities and staffing levels and, um, you know, the ability to invest in training and provide the experiences and i think the the thing that i've seen mostly is the adoption of policies that protect members from you know taking extreme risks with either limited experience or you know limited resources and you know there are tactics that are very effective that uh, help us you know control for that so i think that's really dictated by local conditions, lots of, lots of factors going on there. But I think it's it's incumbent on the, you know, the organization to recognize, you know, their limitations, either in expressed by what firefighters have experience in doing, or for some other reasons, and, you know, and make some policies to protect them. I think the same holds true for even urban fire departments. Ironically, I uh, see experiences where, Someone fresh out of the academy is put in a position of extreme conditions, and and I question the merits of that. Uh, even though they had a great academy experience, without or a great academy instruction, without experience, uh, we really don't know how someone's going to behave uh, under real conditions and uh, as dynamic and as aggressive as they can be. So I think that that policy has to be extended out to you know, our urban firefighters and fire officers as well. And I'm spending more time really driving these points home to individual firefighters and officers. I think it's incumbent that we're not looking for someone else to teach us how to learn, teach us how to retain, teach us how to perform. I think that's uh, incumbent in all of us to learn how we learn and how to do it better. And so I have interacted with lots of firefighters and officers over my career, that uh, regardless of whether they work in urban or rural environments, they know how to learn rapidly and deeply and, uh, and they're exceptional. And, um, and so my challenge today to the listeners is that we have to really learn how to focus. We've got to pay attention to, um, you know, the core skills, the ones that can really uh, hurt you or prevent you from getting hurt, the things that make the most difference on the fire ground. And, and we should be tuning in to finding ways to, to integrate those into our practice so deeply that we don't have to give them much thought. And uh, and I think that's every firefighter, every fireman, or every fire officer's uh, responsibility to uh, to take those steps.
1: And that sounds like a good place to wrap it up. Fred Kowser, thank you very much for talking with me today on Code 3.
0: Scott, thank you again. It was a pleasure to uh, spend time with you today.
1: And you'll find more about education versus training on our website at code3podcast.com education. Go take a look. If you're still listening, you probably got something out of this interview. And if you did, please tell a friend in the fire service about it. That's the best way to grow this show's audience, and I'd appreciate it. I bet your friend will, too. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe.
0: To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.